This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to a special deadline day edition of the Blood Red podcast slash regular. Oh my God, the season starts tomorrow. Where the hell is the summer gone? Blood Red podcast. Um, Liverpool are still European champions. Never get tired of saying that. It is six... 19 on deadline day and the English transfer window is officially slammed shut. I'm your host for the first time, Theo Squires. Yes, we really are scraping the barrel. Thankfully, joining me are two Echo legends to carry me through. And yes, they have paid me to say that. There are also two fine old old journalists. Yeah, we'll go with that. Journalists old enough to remember a time before the modern transfer window and the frenzy of deadline day. First up is the Echo's answer to Andrew, not Andy Cole. He's not Doyle. He's not Doyley. It's Ian, just Ian Doyle. Hi, Ian. I'm not sure what to say after that. <laughs> how are you? I'm okay. How are you? That was your first uh, introduction to the podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah how did it's, I do? It, it, it was right? okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One or two stumbles, but probably better than I did when I first did. <laughs> do you did like it, your yeah. intro? Of course, it's not the most Bolton person, but no, it's not. I think I think it needs to be a bit more snappy. I suspect. A bit snappier. Yeah, a bit snappier. But otherwise, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's been an interesting day. Hasn't it has. It? Yes. And next up, or next to you, we've got uh, Dan K, the man with the most pointless name in Echo Sport. It's the same number of syllables as his actual name, DK. How are you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, with you, I'd, I'd retire if I were you, mate, because there's nowhere left to go. You've hit such a high bar. I'm kind of scared to say anything now because it will just pale into comparison. That is the biggest build-up I think I've ever had. Um, and I feel 10 foot tall. So thank you very much. Great. Now we've got the pleasantries out of the way. Let's get on to business. All of Paul's uh, lack of. Transfer window. Deadline day's over. Uh, not much has happened, but we've still got to talk through it. Ian, we'll start with you. Jurgen Klopp said in June he wasn't going to spend big this summer. He said in July he wasn't going to spend big this summer. You get the idea. He said it in March. He said actually, it in March. Is when he first said it. He gave the hint that they weren't going to be spending that much on any players because he felt as though he didn't need to improve the squad of players that he's got. And let's be honest, that's exactly what's happened. He's been true to his word. I know... Fans quite enjoy, and to be honest, quite rightly in a way, that they like the idea of the, you know new faces coming in, so there's somebody new to to have a look at the start of the season. But for but for Jurgen Klopp, I think um, he spoke. It was before the Community Shield, which would have been just about ten days ago now, you know, up in Scotland after the game against Napoli, where they lost three uh, nil, and he basically mentioned that the big thing for him this summer has been being able to keep together a successful team because when he was at Dortmund and they were winning this, that and the other getting to Champions League finals, at the end of every season, uh, one of the best players would get you know, taken off them, usually by by Munich. You think Lewandowski and Goethe and before that, Nuri Sahin went to Real Hummels. Madrid. Uh, I think Holmes was slightly gone by then, hadn't he? Chicago yeah. uh, went to United, I think yeah. he did, yep. Yeah. So he's always lost a big player and you know the way that Jurgen Klopp, he's big on certain players being very integral to the way the team plays. And uh, especially when Lewandowski went, I think they struggled that season. That was his last season there. And he knew exactly what the problem was. And the problem was they didn't have a striker, which he then uh, rectified in the January. I think he, he brought somebody in. So for him, the big deal has been keeping hold of all the players, you know. And it's been good from Liverpool's point of view because... There's been no links, has there? From, you know, we had last year was Real Madrid in for, for oh, Mane yeah. and then it was Salah as well. Uh, this year, there hasn't really been any of that. This summer, they just haven't really had to, you know, cope with that because the players, you know, Mane signed his new contract, I think it was last November. Uh, Salah and Firmino was earlier in the year. So all of the key players have, have either not long been signed, such as Van Dijk, 18 months ago, or they've been tied down to, to long-term contracts. I know there was all the talk about 
Coutinho, could he come back on loan? That was never going to happen. I don't think Jurgen Klopp is too keen on the loan market. He, he, I think he regards it as uh, these are players who aren't 100% committed to the team and he likes players who, who are like that. I mean, if you look at it, the only loan sign he's ever made was Stephen Colker. I think that's right in saying. And that was right at the start of his uh, Liverpool career when he was still trying to work out the players that he got and he did have a shortage of, of centre-backs. So that's the only loan move he's ever made. So whenever you saw any uh, links of Liverpool being... You know, interested in loan moves for whether it was Coutinho or anybody. There was for me, it was always this isn't really going to be happening. Uh, and I think the other thing as well, you've got to bear in mind is that Liverpool spent an awful lot of money over the last couple of transfer windows, and at the end of this one, they've ended up recouping a little bit. I think I think it's twenty five, thirty million. Not quite done the sums properly yet, and that'll change when they actually uh, are determined what the fee's going to be by by tribunal for Harvey Elliott, because otherwise they'll have only spent the one point three million on uh, Seth Vandenberg because. Adrian, the other player who's come in, cost nothing. Um, so they have moved on. One or two players, you know, uh, Simon Mignolet. Fair play to him, to be honest. He's been such a professional for Liverpool over the past 12, 18 months when he could have you know, kicked up a massive fuss, certainly when Loris Karius was in goal. But he helped Alison Becker. And I think Alison Becker would be the first person to admit that part of the reason why he's hit the ground running for Liverpool and ended up having such a successful debut season was because Simon Mignolet was there to, to help him and to, to guide him through. Um, but yeah, I think it was it Harry Wilson. There was some suggestion he might go. Obviously, he went off on loan. I'm just going through all the names now. To be honest, <laughs> I won't go through them all now. But the we'll point, the point, yeah, the point being that anybody who's surprised by what Liverpool have done this summer are clearly not been listening to everything that Jurgen Klopp has said and everything that the club have done over the past six months. Dan, um, Liverpool European champions just had their best ever domestic season. They've only missed out on the title by the point. You look at um, the squad, they've only lost three players from that Champions League winning squad. Right call from Klopp to not really spend big? I think so. Um, you know, the, the, inevitably there will be some disquiet amongst some Liverpool supporters. Um, you know, there is this old school of thoughts. People reference Bob Paisley and the great teams of the past who would always bring players in when the, when the club was strong. But it's apples and oranges, the whole dynamics of, of football and transfers and squads are, are very much different from what they were in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And, you know, to reiterate, to reiterate what Ian said, clearly a massive priority for Liverpool, not just this summer window, but over like the last 18 months, since they've really got the kind of right pegs in the right slots that they want in terms of the big acquisitions that they've made with Van Dijk and the goalkeeper and so on, was making sure that the key players are all tied down to long-term deals, and they are now. And you know, and that in itself will be a big outlay of money because you know, you're talking, obviously, big annual wages and signing on fees and, and, and everything that comes into that. So, you know, you can make a case to say, well, if... If Liverpool were to have an injury crisis and lose, say, two of the front three and Van Dijk or the goalkeeper for any length of time, then you would be, you know, th- there would be some cause for concern. The reality is Liverpool can only name twenty-five players in a squad. You look at some of the prices that have been paid, that have been touted for bang average players all summer, and it would make no sense whatsoever for Liverpool to spend again big money on players that a might not get a game and B if they were to come in would possibly reduce the pot available for other players should Liverpool need them in the next 6 to 12 months but also if you brought them in for big money and big reputations and they're not playing you run the risk then of do they do they start to cause a bit of dissent and 
uh, friction behind the scenes. So no, I, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with, with with what Liverpool have done this summer. You look at the squad; it's it's very you know by and large still pretty young. Got good experience, a lot of them, but still real scope for improvement. And I detect, you know, from all the noises coming out, even in the even in the immediate days and the aftermath of Madrid, a lot of them were saying, "We're so pleased we've won the relief. The weight is off our shoulders." But this is this is not an end in itself. This is just the start for us. I detect a real hunger in this squad, and in the same way that what happened in Kiev, hopefully, kind of. Well, seems to kind of really set them up for what they went to do in Europe last season, obviously going all the way and lifting the trophy. I'm hopeful that falling just short in that bid to win the Premier League title last May will has really kind of lit that fire within them to go one step better again this time around. I think the age thing is very important, what you've said then, Dan, because I think this is perhaps a season where Jurgen Klopp's allowed, he's going to allow his squad, his players to breathe a yeah, little bit absolutely. rather than every single year you're thinking oh we're going to bring in X, Y and Z and we're going to change things around a little bit and what I mean bear in mind that last season Alison Becker obviously came and did really well from the start Fabinho didn't play until October nope. so he's playing a full season for the first time Cater, he was in and out and you could tell towards the end of the season when he came back and he got obviously got the injury against Barcelona but he was pl- finally becoming the player to find that feet. you thought that he was going to be for Liverpool anyway yep. and in the, the brief time we've seen him certainly at Wembley he did well when he played against Leon in the friendly This you know, in the last couple of weeks he's done well he looks a different player Jürgen Klopp said at the press conference today you can tell from his body language everything when he's come back this summer, he should be everything, more settled everything now, seems he? different Shaqiri's the same Shaqiri knows, yeah, Shaqiri knows exactly what to expect and then we'll then you've got those other players like Oxley Chamberlain, who barely featured all last. Season. In fact, he played about for twenty minutes. If that against Wolves, in exactly. Last game, yeah. Yeah, he played next to nothing last season. And there obviously be the, there'll be these concerns as you just mentioned that you know if Allison gets injured, what if two of the front three? That would be the same at any team. That if, yeah. if if your best players get injured, then there's always going to be a, a struggle to replace them. And yeah, perhaps Liverpool don't have the strength and depth of Manchester City, but the reality but who is... does? No one does. Yeah. yeah. no, Nobody does. And, and there was an example from last season when Joe Gomez got injured and everybody, not everybody, but quite a lot of fans at the time were like, oh my God, that's it, we are finished. We've only got Joe Matip and Dan Lovren. And Dan Lovren, who, okay, didn't do much last season for various reasons. One, he got injured at the wrong times and two, the form of the other players. But he was, you know, Champions League finalist, World Cup finalist the previous season. And then he were left with Joe Matip, who... At the time, people were thinking, "Well, what? You know, he's fallen massively out of the out of favour." Ends up being, you know, I, as I've said in these pods many a time, I would argue for the last two months of the season, he was Liverpool's best defender consistently. Yep. He was, he was excellent. He was excellent in the in the final. He was excellent against in Barcelona when they lost three 0 I thought he was very good. Which you know, which, Liverpool's which was, player the second half yeah, of the season exactly, for me. Yeah, yeah. so it's great on Sunday too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and these and these are and and of course he'd been left you know out. left out yeah. and then responds by. There was one very good piece of defending very shortly after he came on where he think he was put into a right mess and he got himself out yeah. of it. And obviously he scores the goal. So he's somebody who's got a point to prove. He might play against Norwich, he might not. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. Um, I think it's interesting as well. Dan's mentioned the descent there. I think that's something that's been overlooked because you look at the uh, squad. Well, there was the Grumbles went there from Mingale and Moreno at the start of the season. But then the whole way through, they're players that have been with Klopp the whole way through since he's come in. Yep. If you sign a player there, that could disrupt it. So that must have come into his thinking when he's approached this transfer window. And you've noticed that Moreno, you mentioned Moreno there, they were all like, oh no, all the players were gutted that he'd gone. They understood why he'd gone, because mm. he wants to go and play football. And they understand why he was upset because he wasn't playing. But there's <laughs> a character around the place. He's gonna, he was going to be missed. He is. And it, it, it's the unity of the group, it's very clear, is such a massive 
ideal for Klopp. One moment that kind of really stood out for me last season was um, well, it was a great goal. Salah's thunderbolt against Chelsea in in mid in mid April. Now Shakiri, who came in in the summer, for, you know, for a smallish fee, lowish expectations, kind of had a real kind of purple patch of form late autumn, early winter, didn't he? Um, but then for whatever reason, hardly really figured in the second half of the season. Apart from obviously starting against Barcelona, which is obviously which is a little bit after that, this Chelsea game I'm, I'm referring to. So, so and, and and it was it was discussed and debated at various points in you know in the, the first half of 2019. What's happened to Shaqiri? Why is he falling out of favour? Why isn't he getting the game? Because yeah, I know he had a couple of injury problems as well, but he he just didn't seem to figure and no one could re- kind of figure out why. And there was a certain kind of assumption made, well, maybe there's been a bit of a falling out with Klopp or maybe he doesn't think he tracks back enough or whatever. Whatever the reasons are, Shakira obviously kind of been that thrilled to be not being playing so much of football. Anyway, Salah scores this wonderful goal only a few minutes after Salah mm-hmm. uh, had put us in front. And it was only when watching it back afterwards that I noticed that, you know, the goal goes in, Everyone goes, but everyone goes bananas. Cameras go onto the bench, and as Klopp turns, Shakiri like just jumps right into his arms, and you know, by this point, like I say, he'd hardly kicked a ball in anger, in you know, in three and a half months of 2019. Yet, tiny to what Ian says about Mourinho, about Mourinho, you mentioned as well just before about Mignolet. Mm. Another standout memory for me is you know, obviously he made that amazing save uh, in the last minute against Napoli, which we weren't playing Europa League football on Thursday night, but for that. And I remember kind of like, you know, in, in the pub after the game, just having a quick look at Twitter and seeing that Mignolet had already tweeted within 20 minutes, half an hour of the final whistle, not just well done, Alison, but a picture of the goal. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was something like, what an amazing save, what a moment, what a goalkeeper. And, you know, this is from someone that's basically taken his job and, you know, ultimately has really signed you know, the death knell for his Liverpool career. I think that's why you know, a lot of people will wish Mini lay well in his in his in his future ventures with Bruges, isn't it? Yeah, Bruges. Yeah. Club Brugger, Club Bruges, <laughs> as they were known in the seventies. Um, but it, it just to me it just underlines and illustrates the point that this tight knit unit that like Jurgen Klopp has created over the last three and a half years at Anfield, it's not just about ability; it's about mentality, it's about togetherness, it's about the group, and. He is not prepared to compromise that for anything or anyone. And even if that means if you know, the worst case scenario happens and they all fall over injured, with you know, well, you have to take that on the chin. The risk he would take by bringing in big names, big egos, big price tags, he's not prepared to do anything to compromise that. And, and I won't, I won't criticise him for it. Uh, Ian, you're one of the few people who've seen every Liverpool game this summer. One mm. of the few people who's actually seen a bit of Elliot and Vandenberg. Yes. Uh, can Klopp be happy with his summer business? A bit early to say, to be honest. I mean, the 16 and 17. I mean, Seth Vandenberg, you would imagine he's definitely one for the future. He'll be training with the first team. He's, he's tall. He's, he's, a, he's a little bit like Hoopier, Sammy Hoopier, a little bit. He doesn't look like him, like, obviously, but um, he's, he's quite composed, laid back, strong in, strong in the air. Decent, I think I went to the the get the under twenty one game mm-hmm. uh, against Oldham in the AFL Trophy. I know we're going to talk about that in a bit. There was one bit where he, he brought the ball out of defence and just carried on going, ended up on the edge of the penalty area, the, the Oldham penalty area. That is, uh, in terms of it, it's Harvey Elliott, it's a strange one really because he is only sixteen, but and I've seen him three times now, and every single time you're like, ooh, you know, like he's got oh, he's, he's he's quite good, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you don't want to go overboard because such as the game against Oldham. In the first half, for whatever reason, Liverpool couldn't get the ball to him. And so he hardly had a touch, but there was two things that happened in that first half. One was 
there was a very, you know, like a long pass went out towards the corner flag, and it looked like it wasn't it wasn't going to be kept in. But not only did he manage to keep it in, he managed to control it, stone dead, and then got past a player straight away. And this is an Oldham team that wasn't just full of youngsters; it was full of seasoned professionals. Okay, League Two, but when you're Hard 16 and, and you're coming exactly, yeah, you're coming yeah. up against, and that's ultimately why they lost. Which again, we'll come back to in a bit. But the goal that he scored, uh, good move from Liverpool, come gets into the penalty area, and he's got it, and he shows good feet. Good awareness, lays it off with his back to goal to Curtis Jones, who gets it out of his feet and has a shot. Keeper saves it, parries, comes out. Harvey Elliott's the first person to react, but you're thinking he's going to have a shot here because it comes straight out to him. And the goalkeeper dives to stop him. The defender comes across and he just dropped his shoulder, goes the other way and just puts it into the bottom corner. And all that was in like a split second. And you just think, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get too carried away. But even like the simple things like he was playing passes to his teammates that were just five, six-yard passes that were... If you ask any professional footballer, the best players are the ones who pass the ball where they want it to go yeah. and where they see the next pass going. Yeah. So he's playing these passes in front of people, you know, never behind them. They, they never really... The teammates never had to control them. It was always into space for them to run onto, always forward-thinking, and he's keeping it simple. He wasn't trying anything too clever, but everything that he did just had that extra little bit of class, and he's 16... He's 16, and he was only 16 in April. Mm. I don't know if we've said this before on a previous podcast, what were you doing at 16? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> exactly. So he is going to be somebody who, if he continues the way he's going, I would be not surprised if he gets some first-team action this season. You know what? He could even play. It depended on what the League Cup draw is, for yeah. example. He could even get on the bench for games like that. But I mean, I mean, we just you asked me the question, what, what I would think, because I've seen him play so far. And Elliot is somebody who, I'm not surprised Fulham... Boss Scott Parker was a bit gutted when he left because he thought he can play 15, 20 games here this season and he could, okay, not make us a lot of money, but he's somebody who's going to... Have an impact. Yeah, have, have an league. impact, help them. Because yeah. they obviously are back in the championship. But he's somebody who's going to... His value's only going to go up and he's going to learn from... He's going to be trained with the first team and he's going to learn so much from the likes that... You know, that, that's the other thing about Liverpool's team now is that they're all learning off each other. The standard is so high that training is probably more difficult than some of the games that they play. Seriously, mm. it will be, which is why the, you know, why probably why they struggled a, li- a bit for results during the summer because it was so intense and they were deliberately trying to tie themselves out. Which it's it's funny, isn't it? Preseason, well, while it's happening, you're kind of fretting a little bit over certain X, Y, and Z. Then the minute they put the second half on against Manchester City, and you think, oh, it's okay, it's all done. I mean, even that's not even a proper game as such. So we'll only find out against Norwich, but. Harvey Elliott is somebody who, yeah, you're going to be keeping your eye. It's 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 difficult not to. We've been here a million times, but certainly me at my age, you've seen these players who come through, and you think Jordan Ibe was the last one we thought he's quite mm. good. You know, he's got quite a lot about him, but he never quite managed to kick on. So I'm not going to go overboard on Harvey Elliott, but you can see why Liverpool were so excited yeah. about him. Uh, we're not expecting to see a debut tomorrow night, but we'll probably see at least one of them in the squad. Adrian, what have you made of him as a signing, Dan? <clears throat> Well, yeah, well, obviously we had to get someone of experience in as a backup uh, to Alisson. Um, I didn't realise until I, I vaguely remembered it, but he's, uh, I, I was reminded on, uh, having seen something on Twitter, that he's already knocked Everton out of the FA Cup. I was there. I was there ago. for that game. Hey, I was there. That was, that was the penalty shootout that was going on was forever. Was that the year before they knocked us out? Was it, was it the same season? 15, 16, something like that? That was 2015. Yeah. So and then they, they, they did us by. with a last minute. No, it was Villa. That was Villa. Villa in 2015. No, they did it, yeah. And the then following the following season, following season, season, yeah, yeah, yeah. season the following it was a last-minute header replay, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 
He's experienced. Um, he'll do a job. He seems a bit nuts. I've also seen a clip on Twitter. I think it was a, was it a testimonial game or a friendly game. Where he basically yeah. just dribble from his own end. That comes back to the character, though, doesn't it? I know they wouldn't have just bought him on the strength of his character, but if he's somebody who can come in and, and liven things up in the dressing yeah. room, not that I'm saying they need it, but and I think with Moreno gone for that kind of role, when you know you are second choice, to, well, you're basically playing second fiddle to the number one keeper. You know arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, or certainly one of them. You've got to have that kind of... Yeah, I know he made all the right noises when he came and going, oh, I'm going to challenge Ali for his first team spot. But I think he knows that, you know, bar Alisson's form falling off a cliff, he's only going to be playing the odd cup game here and there. But the modern footballer, I think, is aware that, you know, it, it is a squad game. And I've always, you know, I've always had this feeling, if it was me, I would much rather be... Well, I suppose it depends where you are, but I think for me, I'd rather be have the have the opportunity to be part of a setup like Liverpool's, where you're going to be competing for the top prizes. And if God forbid, Alisson does break an arm or a leg, all of a sudden you will be thrust into these huge games that matter, rather than in the kind of you know the the Indian summer of your career. Which, uh, how, how he's only thirty two, isn't he? So 32. he's only one year older than than Mignolet. Yeah. Also, there's the train aspect that I mentioned before. He probably he'll love going into training every day, won't he? Yeah. And, you know, he he will probably feel as well, you know, at the, at the end of the day, having talk about a club like Liverpool on his CV is only going to help him if, if he's here one season, two seasons, three seasons. If he is going to get one more contract at the end of it with someone else, well, if if Liverpool, one of the biggest teams in the world, the current champions of Europe are prepared to bring you in, then you must have something going for you. So, yeah, I was... <laughs> when it, it, We were just on our way back from Wembley on Sunday. It was like 9 o'clock Sunday night, wasn't it, when the Manila news mm. broke that he was off. And I do remember thinking, uh, oh, well, we'll get a good few days of transfer speculation <laughs> as to who the goalkeepers of Liverpool might be after. And then it was like 10 o'clock Monday morning. Yeah, Adrian, done. Uh, which I, I think, again, has you know, we didn't really go into it before we were talking about transfers, but I think the other aspect that I think is important to make clear about why I'm really quite comfortable with how Liverpool have handled this summer is that you look at you know the Klopp the transfer committee the way Liverpool conduct their business really has been held up by a lot of people within the gamers how it's how it should be done in this day and age a lot of teams are looking at Liverpool's structure and the way we go about business is really the model that, for others to follow and I think we they have they have earned the right to be trusted by supporters so so you know so the same principle applies really with with the goalkeeper you know I can't say I've, I've got an awful lot of knowledge about him or, or you know he seemed to be alright when he was at West Ham um, but we needed a reserve goalie we've got one and to be honest as soon as that clock ticks over to 5 o'clock this evening I was like thank God for that <laughs> let's get on with to, the you're not allowed to say <laughs> that I'm not allowed to say that when it's happening but I can say it now the transfer drivel is over let's get on with some real football um, you're saying there about Klopp having, the fans having to trust Klopp for the incomings it's the same for the outgoings as well uh, yeah. Harry Olsen that's one that probably had a few raised eyebrows in mm. uh, good move for him though Bournemouth it's a good move for him um, in terms of it just continues his, his progress I think I, you know, I can't remember where he was not last season but the Dar- season before Derby was somewhere Hull, Hull. Hull. Had yeah, half that's right Hull. so he's gone from kind of mid-table championship to promotion challenge and championship to arguably mid-table yeah. Premier League so for him it's another step up the ladder and he certainly had a, he certainly got given a good run during the summer games. I think he featured in all of them. But then when he's not on the bench for the Community Shield, you're thinking, all right, okay, maybe this be, might be where he's going. When there was no Manny and no Milner, I understand there could be like five, six, seven injuries, but is he going to stick around to, to, to want that? I mean, Jürgen Klopp mentioned after the game in Geneva uh, last week where he basically said, look, 
we'll do what's best for the we're all they've been in conversation all summer we'll do what's best for the player and we'll do what's best for the club and I think this is a, a good compromise I think if he goes to Bournemouth and does really really well then he's given himself a fantastic chance to play for, for Liverpool the, the following season because the reality is there was a lot of fans Liverpool fans who thought oh we should really get in Ryan Fraser we should look at that David Brooks who you know it's his injury that's that's prompted Bournemouth to move for Wilson but if Wilson does exactly what those two have done at Bournemouth, then he's already Liverpool's player, so they don't have to they don't have to pay for him. And if he does really well and they decide, well, we don't really want him anymore, he's not needed, then his value will only increase. So it's a matter of just a, it's another learning curve, another step for him and for Liverpool. I, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. The only thing is, of course, is that it leaves Liverpool short of an option, but that's an option of a player who's only ever played for 25 minutes for Liverpool in his entire career, so is he really an option? And you say that Ryan Kent's still there. He's not gone today. Well, no, he's not. Well, at least not at the moment. There's a chance <laughs> where we can walk out. He's actually gone. Well, the thing about that as well, the loan market closes on August the 31st, yeah. so he could still go anyway. So that's he's not gone permanently anywhere. But I think Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp said, again, that was after the game in Edinburgh where he said, no, nah, I don't want to don't want to send him out on loan. But, you know, the, the fact is things change, situations change. If you just stay stubborn and then go, I only want this, that and the other, then you're never going to get anywhere in life, never mind in the transfer market. So, compromise. Yeah, so there has to be some kind of compromise. And I would imagine that if it becomes obvious that Ryan Kent isn't going to be featuring very heavily this season, which I don't think that he will, and another team comes in with a loan, it may be time to, to send him out on loan again. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Then you've also got Ovi Ajaria, a deal that actually did happen on deadline day. Well, he's dead. He's, he's gone, hasn't he? He's gone he, he hasn't played since January 2017, the FA Cup game against Wolves, was it? Was that the last time he played? It probably had yeah, we lost yeah. at Anfield, yeah. Yeah, he, I know, to... he, has, he wasn't on the tour. He wasn't involved with the under-21s the other night. Is he a little bit older than Wilson and Kent? He's either 22 or 23. He's one or the other. You'll watch him and turn out to be 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll find out in a minute. You just keep talking, I'll find out. <laughs> Well, it's a weird one with Ajaro because he's one of these um, clutch of youngsters, isn't he? That he got the chance under Klopp in the first team and then just sort of disappeared off the radar. Yeah, and you kind of you, he went up to Glasgow, didn't he, last season to play under Steven Gerrard at Rangers? And I mean, maybe just because you know, physically, obviously, he's a big, tall, rangy lad. Whereas he's twenty-one. He's twenty-one. <laughs> there you go. So, so he is actually younger than Wilson and Kent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting because if, you know, Wilson and Kent are both titchy, aren't they? Ajaro is. A big rock of a lad. So, um, Great phrase. I've not heard that for a long time. <laughs> um, you kind of thought, particularly play, you know, without wishing to disrespect the Scottish League, um, it's obviously not up to the same standards as the Premier League. From what I kind of managed to glean last season, he was a little bit in and out there, had a couple of decent games, but didn't really kick on the way that I think Gerard and presumably Klopp would have, would have hoped for. Um, He's done so, well at Reading, though. He did well at Reading, which is why they were so keen to take him back. And, mm. and of course, now they've they've got the loan deal, and they have to sign him next summer, basically. Yeah, which, which the, and, and I think the there's also like a sell on clause. Yeah, twenty percent for Liverpool. Which yeah. with that that information being released makes you think that kind of like they're probably not really expecting him to come back. Yeah, to Anfield. Um, well, what you can't, they're guaranteed. They have to sign him next summer. Similar so, to the Carrius deal, and similar to the Danny Ings one, yeah. which that got concluded obviously this summer yeah. as well. Um, and that, you know, that, that is the, the reality is that is how that is part of um, transfer policy for clubs of the scale of Liverpool now with the academy that they've, they've got. Some of, you know, obviously, they, they spend millions and millions of pounds on these academies ostensibly to provide players for the first team. But it is also the case that you know, they, there's an awareness that 
only a fraction will ever come through and make it at Liverpool. But if they can train, if they can bring through quality young players and train them up to a standard where they can end up making some money, which can then be put into the overall general pot for either youngsters or transfers, that's the reality of how Liverpool and clubs of our ilk do their business nowadays. So good luck to the lads. And um, if we play them in the cup, he best not score against us. Won't be able to this year. If he's on loan, yeah. then, then he can't do both. Next year, though. Next year, that's one for him to put on the back burner. <laughs> right, let's talk exits now. Um, we Phil Coutinho. Thought, thought we just were. <laughs> exes. Oh, exes. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry that's sorry, not the step sorry. up. Um, Phil Coutinho. Kilop's uh, spoken a bit about him in his press conference today. Yeah, Is he that said one? no comment. Is what he said. <laughs> I've got, got everyone all excited on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Is that Ooh. one we can finally rule out? It's come through. He's still at Barcelona now. Loan he's not coming back to the Premier League. He's, no, he's <laughs> no, he's ne- uh, what I said before about Klopp and loans. No chance. But he is never coming back to the Premier League. Liverpool, Coutinho is done. You ruling yeah, that one. I hope so. For the I purposes hope. of our blog headlines, no, it's going on forever. <laughs> but for the purposes of actual reality, then I yeah, let's face it, it's not happening anytime soon. Why would it happen? Anytime soon, why would it happen in the future? Liverpool have moved on. To be honest, probably Coutinho's moved on as well, if mm. we're being honest as well. So that's the other thing that gets lost. And, this, you know, let's, let, the other thing is, he's a really good footballer. Barcelona is a really big club. If, I'm not saying he's not got his head together at Barcelona, but if he re- gets a chance to rediscover anything like the form he had during the last three months at Liverpool, then he's going to be an amazing player for Barcelona and they'll, have, they'll still have him and he'll make a big difference for them. So fair play to him. And as you two keep saying, the loan window is still open. They can still go overseas. Are we expecting any more departures? I don't know. Is the short answer there? Uh, the could easily be some of the under twenty threes might end up getting a chance elsewhere. And I'm, these are just me off the top of my head, just thinking of names. You look at Curtis Jones, whether or not mm. he could get a move to a championship team. He, he played very well the other day against, uh, I thought, against um, Oldham. But you know, it could be there could be two or three more from at that level who might benefit from more of an opportunity at a League One team, at a championship team, than just playing another season for the under-23s. And then, uh, Dan, I'm going to throw a few free agents at you here, just to spice things up. Go on, then. Um, Fabio Contral, Ignacio Abate, Hatton Ben Arthur, Marco Suzetta, Frank Ribery and Kasiki Hunda. Any of them take your fancy? Um, no, not <laughs> one of them. Everyone Frank Ribery maybe Frank 10 Ribery, years yeah. ago. Now, Frank Ribery, you can tell he's still a player, like, but he's not. It, only if they get... Let's put it this way. Say that Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah have a, an accidental collision and they both get injured in training tomorrow and they're out for three months. Then you might think, oh, Frank Ribery's a free agent. He might be interested there. Otherwise, it, it would have taken something remarkable for Liverpool to, to go mean, down that particular route. Ben Arthur, I suppose, would be the only one of those names that kind of... Uh, was it... A few years ago when he was at Newcastle, mm-hmm. he seemed to have a little bit of something about him. But at the same time, he did very much seem one of these hit or miss. Yeah, once every three kind of games, flare players. Yeah. He'll score. He'll score. He'll score a worldie every so often. But if you watch them week in week out, you'd probably have the likes of me and Ian tearing what little hair we've got left out. And what do you two make of the rest of the Premier League's transfer business? Do you look like Sir Rodri and Dombley? quite a few big signings um, I'm interested to see what's going on at Everton to be honest mm. I think it will be quite good for them if it goes through that is um, they were never going to sign Zahar worthy I'm surprised that Zahar's still at Crystal Palace I think whoever his agent is needs to, he needs to have a word with them and possibly say please leave immediately uh, because he could have got a move to one or two three four other clubs let's put it this way if Zahar was available at a decent price I'd have him at Liverpool 
I think he's really. I think he's one of the best. The I think he's yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. players that played against Liverpool yeah. last season. Admittedly, he was up against James Miller, the right back, who got so tight towards the end. He just, got sent off, didn't he, he just kicked him to get off early. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. But uh, the rest of it, the Arsenal have done some good business. If they can get a centre back in, I'm not, again, I think they're trying to push one through. Uh, David Luiz. Yeah. David Luiz. Yeah. Yeah. that? We don't know where that's been done. That was all the paperwork in. So yeah, Scott. Like so extra two hours. Luiz, sure, he's done by the time we finish. Very odd transfer for David Luiz and Chelsea, but for Arsenal, very good. Has David Luiz got some previous with Frank Lampard? I don't know. They must have played together, so I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I don't that know. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't have no, exactly, be yeah, a little bit of beef there. So I think, I think Arsenal have improved. I think Tottenham have improved. I think Manchester United, I cannot... I mean, I think they've brought in some good players, but I cannot, for the life of me, work out why they've let Lukaku go Did and, they get not, a striker and not replace them. Not, not no? brought in another striker. No. Uh, they've, Sith, they've basically got Rashford yeah. and Martial. Yeah. City. Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, Greenwood's they like Greenwood. I've seen him play. He is good. Mason and Greenwood, he's definitely yeah. going to be one of the next it's big like Bruce, yeah. isn't he? He's going to I think he's more of an all round player than Brewster, to be fair. I think I think he'll be really good for them. Uh and who else is there? They didn't get Ericsson, did they? He said Tottenham. Man City. Of course, Man mm-hmm. City only brought in two players. And one of them was a player they'd already had. So the only three in the end, didn't they get the lad last night? Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot the about him. Back. Yeah, the fullback. Yeah. Well then they swapped him for somebody. Did so he, it was so it was a it was a in and out kind of one. Oh, so Scott Carson. <laughs> filling the uh, the Rob Green slash was it Rob Green? It was Rob Green. Rob Green no, Rob Chelsea. Green was at Chelsea. That's it. Yeah, the kind of Rob Green role that you had at Chelsea. Dan, why were you doing Taylor? I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Manchester City are obviously are very well funded and have some excellent footballers and some very successful footballers, proven winners. And anyone who finishes above them in any competition is likely to be getting their hands on silverware. But we saw on Sunday at Wembley, Liverpool are more than able to take them on as equals and at times betters, uh, and at times they're betters, as we certainly were, you know, for I'd say the majority of that second half on Sunday. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, John Aldridge said in his, in his echo column earlier early this week, City's whole attitude and demeanour, not just from Guardiola himself on the touchline on Sunday, but really throughout the summer and throughout last season shows that they are very, very aware of Liverpool and our progress. And it's all set up really for another real head-to-head between the, between the two. Just to go back in terms of the, the other two teams, the, the, we've all been asked to do our kind of like little predictions for the season, which is going to be hitting the... No spoilers. Well, mm. the, well the, 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 <laughs> yeah. Manchester City or Liverpool probably feature as the <laughs> potential Premier League players I, for every single You might person. say that, Ian. I, I couldn't possibly <laughs> comment. Um, we, uh, one of the things we were asked for was kind of like, who's going to be your, your surprise package? Now, one of them kind of comes in, we also asked for top four. Uh, my real deliberation in terms of top four was was Arsenal and Chelsea. And I've just got a little bit of a feeling about Arsenal this season. I, I think I still think defensively they might be... I've got, a, I've got them finishing third. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got a feeling I, about Arsenal. I've got yeah, them finishing yeah. fourth. But for, me, for me, it was, you know, I think one, two and three is pretty is nailed on in terms of the three teams who it will be, not you necessarily the order. Third. I'm thinking Tottenham yeah. third. <laughs> but for me, the deliberation was Arsenal and Chelsea. I do think Lampard's going to be quite good for Chelsea, but it's how much he's stymied by their inability to kind of, obviously, operate in the transfer market at the moment because of the band they've got. And I just think, I, I, I do think, um, you know, Emery's a good manager. And I think they may just get the feeling they're slightly starting to come out of their post-Wenger funk. Mm. Uh, and I think they, they seem to have bought quite well. And, and I kind of wouldn't be surprised to see them surprise a few people this season. And and nick that four spot. The other surprise package I'm, I'm I've got a little bit of a feeling for, and 
many people I think won't disagree because really, obviously everyone's been doing their predictions all over the web and everywhere this week. Uh, and they've, this team has featured a lot in their in the three to go down. I think Newcastle are going to have a decent season. I'm, I'm backing wow, them to I've finish. Them going down. Well, most people, most, down. most people do. <laughs> I think they bought. I think they bought some some decent players. And really, yeah, I mean, how exactly you know. Rafa Benitez walks, and then all of a sudden they're paying sixty million pounds for strikers. I'm not sure entirely sure how that works. I think I think we know how that works. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want Rafa spending it. They didn't want Rafa no. spending it, but but well, time will tell. You know, I think some people would say more fool them. I'm not saying Steve Bruce is a better manager than Rafa, you know, because I've got I've got a lot of time for Rafa. But I don't I, I don't I do think Bruce is is a half decent manager, and I just think with maybe slightly romanticised with him with him being a Geordie and. Uh, it, it just seems like a good fit for that club at that time. And I just think that I think they'll do all right this season. I'm not saying they're going to get top four or nothing, but I, I can see them finishing top half, certainly. I went with Southampton for mine. Yeah, Hassan I, I think they're quite decent. solid. Yeah. They haven't Very lost, tough first away yeah. game for us a week, sadly. Yeah, they haven't lost many of their players. They lost any of their players, their main players. Target, you count him as a main player? Yeah, was playing, though, was he really, to be honest? Chad so. Adams has had a good preseason. He scored a few. Yeah, so I think they might be some. They won't obviously they won't be in the top six or anything, but they'll do better than mm. than people think. They won't struggle, I don't think. No. Right, that's it for transfers. We can officially end transfer talk until January. Um, let's do a bit on the EFL trophy mm. just to get out of the way. Ian, we don't normally advise you spending time in uh, Greater Manchester, but you actually had quite a pleasant evening in the end. Uh, well, define pleasant. <laughs> the you enjoyed yourself, nice. didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was. It was KFC it was nice. by the ground. I did have a KFC behind the ground before the game. Yeah, <laughs> I had it in the car park and then made me way in. No, but the, well, the last two times I've seen Liverpool play Oldham, they've got beat three two because the other one was the FA Cup game in twenty yeah. thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Brad Jones. Yeah. So no, the weather was nice. It was reasonably reasonably warm, which for Oldham is is very unusual. I have to say, the one game, of the highest grounds up second to Birmingham, was it? First time I went there was for the FA Cup third round tie. When Tramble were playing there 25 years ago, it was Baltic. Nah, I've been, I went when Everton, I think we mentioned this, I went there mm. when Everton played and it wasn't even cold then. And that was in February, January when Liverpool played. I must have just got wrapped up properly and knew it was coming. Anyway, going back to the game. Uh, <laughs> I thought Liverpool played well. Uh, yeah, given the fact that all by two players were teenagers and Oldham had the likes of 33-year-old Chris Eagles playing. And had, I think their team, from what I got told, was kind of half the first team, half some youngsters to get Should be because of the chance. rules. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Liverpool were the better on the ball. They appeared the more accomplished side. They clearly had the more talent. They were the more technically gifted. They had the greater imagination. But what Oldham had was greater physique, greater experience, obviously, and that greater nous of how to negotiate games like this, how to win games when you're not playing particularly well. And they just had that presence at set pieces, which is what cost Liverpool the second and third goal with set pieces. I mean, the... Both of them were to the far post where nobody defended properly. The first one was very odd. It's like the, the, the well, Oldham second goal. Uh, went deep, curled in. The player just seemed to appear. He came around the back of the other players and just like volleyed it in. Second one was a header. Uh, Neil Critchley, the, the the coach who, the under-23s coach, but he took charge in the 21s. He was, he didn't say Liverpool deserved anything better than to get beat because he wanted to, you know, this is, like a wake-up call for the youngsters. This is what the real world's like. This is how you are assessed. This is what you're going to be up against throughout your careers. Admittedly, you won't be in a team full of other youngsters normally, but I thought Liverpool acquitted themselves well. They're going to need to win the next two games in that competition against Fleetwood and Accrington, both mm-hmm. away, to get through the group. And if they play like that, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Uh, so it'll be just interesting. But then 
will will Harvey Harvey Elliott be eligible to play? Will he be available to play? Seth Vandenberg. They had a very strong team up there for an under twenty ones team. Um, but yeah, it was a good experience for them. But as I say, the the difference in class was for me a bit alarming. Or even if it was like Premier League academy side against a League Two team. But again, it was that now that bit of know how that that's what did for the kids. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a fact about Boundary Park. It might be a bit outdated here. Can you tell me what's unique about it in the Football League? Um, it's the only one that Oldham play their home games at regularly. It's the only one without a football gantry. Oh. That a what, sorry? Without a gantry. They is just it? put the cameras at the back, or at least they did when I went in 2015. That so, is what I would call the quintessential Theo Squires fact. We have to get one in every yeah, one, we don't do. we? Are we, gonna, are we going to pick the team for Norwich, by the way? Yeah, we're getting there. We're okay, getting there. Yeah, 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 this on, is just like you're going, it's getting on a bit now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. Right, yeah, season starts tomorrow. Avoid defeat. Liverpool go top. How are we feeling? <laughs> Alphabetically, that's sound. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Can't if wait. you don't lose, you can't. Yeah. It's, you know, I think after the final, after Madrid, I was actually quite ready for a rest, a break, because the last few months of the season were so intense, were so mentally draining and gruelling. You know, living and dying by every kick of a, every kick of a Liverpool ball. Every kick of a Man City ball. Listen, these. This is the kind of stress you want. Give me that any day over seasons when it's been all over by the shouting in February and you're looking forward to August. But yeah, I, I was I was happy to have a couple of weeks off and just to kind of decompress from that. But uh, no, I'm I'm ready to get back to Anfield, particularly after all the the toing and froing and the hysteria of the transfer window. Um, you know, this week has all been about predictions, previews, seeing the new kits, the new players. That feeling that this whole roller coaster of emotions is about to get going again. And, you know, I'm generally a little bit anti modern football, some of the things they brought in. But Are you turn into an old moaning old man. <laughs> turning into. <laughs> I think I've been there a long time, Ian, as you have yourself, mate. I but, really <laughs> but, um, I've got to be honest, I'll mean, I slightly, slightly contradict myself here because I, I put the caveat on it. It shouldn't inconvenience supporters too much and it massively inconveniences the travelling Norwich supporters. But I'm quite into Friday night games. I think, you know, it, it's a nice way to... Not for me, I'm afraid. For, for, Bear in mind that we are both old enough to remember Friday night games from the 80s. Yeah, Rushy's like, hat-trick yeah, at Villa. Exactly. I remember us getting battered yeah. at Southampton. Danny Wallace got to get in a couple. Now, I, I think I think it's ridiculous that, that you know, I, I've, I've always had this thing for extreme kickoffs. You, you shouldn't have to travel really more than, say, half the country, Liverpool to Birmingham, Birmingham to London. So it's out of order for Norwich. But for, but for me, and I think for a lot, I get the I get the sense for a lot of people in, in the city and a lot of Liverpool fans, it's a great way to start the weekend. And um, I'm looking forward to knocking off tomorrow, getting out in the sunshine, having one or two pre-match sherbets and uh, getting back into Anfield to welcome home the six-time Champions of Europe. Yeah, it's a nearly promoted team at home, under mm. the lights. It's the homecoming. You can mm. ask for a better start, but you're at uh, Jürgen Klopp's press conference. He's not taking him for granted, is he? No, he's not. I mean, he, he just believes Liverpool just have to press reset and start again. He's basically, he's called on the fans. He's done this in the past. He says, we've got to treat this as though, it's, no matter what the opponent is, we have to have Anfield as angry as we know it can be. There's no place like Anfield when it's angry. You know what he's trying to say. He's not saying they should be screaming their heads off all the time. You know, he's talking about the atmosphere. Um, I think back to the Bournemouth game last season, three o'clock mm-hmm. kickoff Saturday. That's an example of what can be achieved for that. But Dan's right in the sense that it's a night game, it's a Friday, it's the first game of the season. It's to have a great atmosphere and to be welcoming the Champions League winners for the first time for the, a lot of the people who are in the stadium wouldn't have been at the game and wouldn't have been at the homecoming. 
this is the first chance they've had to say thanks. Yeah. So that's what it'll be before the game. But when the minute that ball, sorry, the whistle gets blown and the ball gets kicked for the first time, then away we go with VAR as well. Oh, great. And I think Norwich will fancy it. I mean, I've, I've read a couple of pieces this week about them and um, they've got you know, a, German man, a German manager, Daniel Farker, who seems can be... Yeah, without being too stereotypical, a little bit of a mini clock there. Well, they've got the, you mentioned before about the recruitment at Liverpool. It's Norwich is the one yeah. that they've they've yeah, been yeah. held up in terms of the championship version of Liverpool, and Absolutely. that so it will be interesting to see. And obviously, there's no pressure on them. No. You know, they're they've newly promoted. Everyone expects them to get beat. I think they'll come and have a go. And if Liverpool aren't right at it from the start, um, you know, they might get a rude awakening. But I just think, no matter what Norwich throw the throw at us, even if they do get an early goal or whatever. Liverpool will be really, really determined and focused to get off to the right kind of start, put the the onus on City, who obviously get a, get underway Saturday lunchtime away to West Ham. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I've not rest yet. It's not got to get into the Pretty title sure race just yet. Yeah. Pretty sure they are away, away to West Ham on, on Saturday. And, um, I actually genuinely don't know, are they? I genuinely don't know. Is that who they're playing? I'll, just, I'll double check now, but I'm fairly certain they are. Well, whilst yeah. you're doing that, we'll get uh, Doyle's team. Yeah. Um, we'll do, go with the big question first. Does Mane start? Uh, no, yeah. I wouldn't start with him. To be honest, I think we can more or less pick the team here now between ourselves in the sense it'll be Alisson, won't it? It'll be Robertson, it'll be Van Dijk, who we haven't at centre-back. That, I think, I I think, think that's Matt, the biggest I question. I think I'm going with Matip. I, all, all, you know, all summer I would have... I mean, remember there was, a bit, there was a debate in the three weeks before the final who plays alongside Van Dijk in Madrid and... Was that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> cast your mind back in. It, I mean, obviously, it was three weeks. You had to talk about something. <laughs> <Yeah. didn't> <laughs> but, um, we might have been milking that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I am, you know, I'm a big, fa- big fan of Joe Gomez. Ever since those first few games he played at left back in twenty, early on in the 15, August, August, yeah. August twenty fifteen, I think he's a cracking young player, really versatile, great attitude. Um, but like, as we said earlier in this pod, Joel Matip has been a revelation in twenty nineteen. And I think it would have been absolutely outrageous had he not played in Madrid. Um, Gomez, Gomez did did, a, did kind of grew into the game. I thought at Wembley on Sunday, kind of you know, as with everyone, Liverpool kind of weren't really at it defensively in the, for the first half hour or so. But he improved as the game went on. But uh, to me, Matip is the man in possession. I agree yep. with Ian. Matip should start alongside Van Dijk. So is it Trent or Gomez at right back? If it had been away, I'd have said Gomez. But because it's at home, I'm going to say Trent, simply because Trent hasn't been great over the last couple of games. But Liverpool are going to be so much on the front foot, you'd assume, against Norwich that going forward, he's been OK. It's just defensively, he's been a little bit yeah, iffy at times with his positioning. So I wouldn't drop him, though. I can see I can see Trent maybe getting a rest in Istanbul next week. Third midfield three, we're saying unchanged from Wembley? I don't know, you know, I think Cater might play. I think Cater might play. I think Cater instead of Wijnaldum. Yeah. I think I don't think you pick the same midfield against Manchester City as against Norwich at home. No. Yeah, and you know, it's the reality is we will have more of the ball. We will be expected to make more of the play. Um, I think the the only thing with Cater is that you know, uh, listening to, to Jurgen's press conference that, uh, at lunchtime today, and he pointed out he's only really had. To, you know, he, Obviously, he was involved in the African Nations. He picked up an injury there as well. So he's only had two weeks. So there's, so there's, a, so there's a couple of names he might throw in the mix there. Lallana, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Wouldn't have Ox, no. Not, not starting. I don't think he's Well, he's there. he's played quite a lot in pre-season, but it mm. seemed like his, you know, he's, his pre-season seemed to go better at the start than the end. He seemed to kind of tail off a little I bit. I don't know. I thought he looked like he'd been let off the leash against City when he was in that more attacking role. Enjoyed it a bit more, Lallana. Because he'd been playing... Lallana. Sorry, we were talking about Chamberlain, Chamberlain then. Yeah. And, and the other the other name to throw in there, possibly for a midfield slot, would be Shakiri, 
who I think I'm, he, he, he did come on on Sunday, didn't he? Yes, he did, yes. Yeah, and, and, and looked quite lively. But yeah, it's... Hender, yeah. Yeah, how, how do you know he looked lively if you didn't know if he came on or not? I just need to remind him. Sorry. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, we, 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 we've got some good options. Henderson, I, I, yeah, unthinkable that Jordan Henderson would not lead the team out in the first game back mm. at Anfield after after lifting number six uh, in sunny Spain for us. Um, so then it's, it's Fabinho or Wijnaldum. Um, I think probably Fabinho. Well, Wijnaldum wasn't at his best on... Uh, Sunday at, at, at Wembley. For me, I, I got a little hunch Mane might start. Oh, we've got a disagreeing here. I think Origi's playing. I don't think they'll, yeah, I don't think they'll bother. And with. the last two picked themselves. Yeah, yeah definitely. They look so, I was really made up with both of them on Sunday yeah. because they look really, really sharp. Firmino looked... Particularly really, Firmino. I know, yeah, yeah. There was that one where he plucked it out of the air in the first Dead half. Dead early on, yeah, swivelled and Firmino yeah. didn't play for the last something like five games yeah. and then he clearly wasn't fit for the final and, sh- you know, okay... It was right that he started, but probably you know, helped that, him that it, as opposed to some of the you could obviously, you could make a case that like the it summer yeah, it helped him that he then played the Copa America, yeah. The summer tournaments yeah. we could have really done without when it when it comes to Mane uh, and Salah and Cater even, but for Firmino, I think it actually served the purpose in terms of helping him get some fitness, some form, or some sharpness back, have a little holiday, and then it seems like he's you know since he's come back he's hit the ground running, and you know I've, I'm a huge. Firmino fan and I think if, if he gets back to his best this season all our dreams can come true hopefully <laughs> score predictions uh, Liverpool 3-0 4-0 I'm going 3-0 as well I reckon um, that's it for us uh, thanks for joining us for the latest Blood Red podcast join us again on Monday where we'll have all the continued fallout from Norwich where Liverpool are hopefully top of the Premier League thanks and bye you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo